Hello, my lacrimose riceronies. This is your crying ramen host, Matthew Sanborn Smith, and his On the Verge of Tears Tortellini cast, Beware the Hairy Mango. It's the May 29th show. Today's story is all about adapting to a changing society. Most of us are all for survival of the fittest, as long as we don't actually have to get fit to be in on it. What might happen when other living things take advantage of their natural fat-free state when the only fit we're able to manage is a shit fit? What if those living things are some of the non-animal types of living things? Say, Trees? Say Trees! By Matthew Sanborn Smith. As more and more of the world's money got sucked toward the few people at the top, folks on the bottom started turning to the old-fashioned ways of getting by, like baking their own bread, or slaughtering their cattle, tanning the hides for shoe leather, and then boiling that shoe leather for dinner, or offering up their youngsters to the volcano gods. One popular money-saving tip was to brush one's teeth with a twig, just like grandma's prehistoric ancestors used to, thus saving money on both toothbrushes and toothpaste. This idea caught on so well, using the twig as humankind's handiest tool spread to other arenas. For instance, having surgery performed on oneself with a twig saved a body the cost of the hospital, the doctor, the anesthesiologist, and the cost of living entirely. People sold their cars and started driving twigs to work, which sounded pretty dumb until you discovered they had no work to drive to, and then it seemed like a brilliant idea. America's defense budget was pared down until it was arming itself with intercontinental ballistic twigs, which might not level a city, but if you got one in your eye, you'd know it. Football players tossed around the twig skin and people smoked twigarettes. But let's get back to the toothbrushing one. Bregmere was a pioneer. He decided if brushing his teeth with a twig was good, then brushing his teeth with an entire tree would be super fantastic. Not only would it be faster, it would be more thorough as all the dark nooks and crannies of his mouth would be scrubbed clean by the tree's multitude of branches, leaves, animals, and insect life. And to be honest, once Bregmere had thrown himself into his new hygienic regimen in earnest, he'd enthusiastically scraped most of his flesh from the lower half of his face and now had the biggest smile anyone had ever wanted to see or maybe a little bigger than that. But still, it was impressive enough that other people wanted to get them some of that. Bregmere started selling his own line of teeth trees, handpicked by him and stamped with his seal of approval, which, in keeping with his all-natural brand, was an actual seal. As an unintended bonus, seal fat makes your teeth shine and tastes better than Vaseline. Once he started to make a buck or two, Big Toothbrush moved in and started selling their own trees, and capitalism was back in a big, big way. The treeth brushes proved to be so popular that the industry mass-produced them and accidentally saved the environment in the doing. Well, that was embarrassing, but they put their own spin on it and convinced people it was a good thing. Soon our extreme dentrification became so cliche that countries more civilized than ours started portraying Americans with ear-to-ear -ear blood smiles to go along with their traditional cowboy hats and cheeseburger eyes. We, of course, saw ourselves as we always had, the absolute masters of nature, making entire trees serve us in our morning rituals. But who was serving whom became apparent one sinister spring morning when savage green saplings sprouted from the belly of each man, woman, child, and dentally conscientious raccoon in mid-North America. If we had to go, truth be told, we'd always wanted to die with smiles on our faces, but had incorrectly assumed if that were the case there'd be sex involved. 
If this story made you twig out, you can plant it and other vegetative statements at the internet denizen of the leafies give us oxygen beware the hairymango.com. Plow inspiringly through the comments for this post or Monchichi mail me and we'll stuff our Japanese monkeys at Matthew at beware the hairymango.com or use them to get in to see Richie Rich and beg for money at beware the hairymango at gmail.com. Whenever we planned our prison riots, the SF and SF signal used to stand for shanked first, which is the foremost ranking in our all hells breaking loose revenge scheme. The first one to get it will be Vinny the Bob. The one cable company executive we know is locked up in here with us. We'll be visiting his cell next Tuesday sometime between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. I must go down to the seas again, to the lonely sea and the sky, and all I ask is a Twitter account called twitter.com slash upwithgravity and a phone to steer her by. Yar. Couple weeks from now, I know you're gonna be starving for some Maddie in your life. If you can stand my politics, you might want to friend me on Facebook under my own name. You might want to somehow make it known that you're a Mango fan and not just another creepy person. You're a special creepy person. Or you can, like, be where the Harry Mango's politics-free Facebook page, which is still going to be around. You can learn all about my other stuff by way of MatthewSanbornSmith.com, read the blog I don't write enough for at the1000.blogspot.com, read my upcoming story in a literate magazine called Rubble People, read my story at after that, in some future issue of See the Elephant called The Wardrobe, Jeezy Pete, maybe it's a good thing I'm ending this show. You might be in danger of overdosing on me. I'm having trouble fitting up your nose as it is. There is a dollar in my PayPal account. It is lonely. Your lack of one fellow dollar giving fuels the darkness within it. It's sexy George Washington sheds a tear. The tear wets the bill. I pull the bill from my wallet. I shake it at the cashier. The cashier takes the bill. The cashier feels the wetness. The wetness is mistaken for sweat from my bottom. The cashier calls security. This podcast plummets parenthetically through the holes between the punctuation marks of your soul, clutching nothing but the quickly unraveling words of the world's longest run-on sentence, and that sentence is 30 days, but its lawyer says it can get it out in 45 with good behavior, so maybe its biggest crimes are its choice of legal representation and fishing without a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share like 4.0 international license. Until the government imposes a levy on all opposable digits called the thumbtacks, this will dry heave the memories of Matthew Sanborn Smith and remind you, when you've got a long walk ahead, you're sad to see your car stall, but when you've got the runs, you're thrilled to see your toilet stall. Good night.